Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. By the time you hear this podcast, you won't need to stand so close to us. Young teacher, the subject of school girl fantasy. She wants him so badly, knows what she wants to be. Inside her, there's longing, this girl's in the page. Bookmark her, she's so close now, this girl is half his age. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And welcome to episode 172. Thank you for everyone who's downloaded, listened, streamed, yes, yes. wherever you are. And you'll be uh, going on another musical adventure with the number one music history podcast in the world. Number one. No debate. <laughs> uh, we swept the potties, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, again, thank you for everyone listening. Um, so, uh, let's get right into it, man. We got some music news. So, um, let's start <laughs> Let's start with uh, the fake news of pop music. <laughs> She's uh. at it again, man. Uh, so, Taylor Swift has launched a, uh, is it called Feeling 22? I believe that is what it is called, the Feeling 22 line um for all of those people who are lucky enough to be graduating in the year of our lord 2022 <laughs> um i'm not gonna lie it sounds cringe but it's 
it's some it's marketing. That's what she's become. It's Taylor Swift Inc. It's marketing. She's probably been planning this for I'm gonna say probably no less than five years. Yeah. Even if she didn't do the 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 re-release of Red, Taylor's version, I believe she still would have <laughs> probably found a way to do this because it just I mean it it sells itself. I didn't get it at first when Greg said what it was. Like, oh yeah, you know, I was, I was like, what do you mean? And then I looked it up and it's like class of twenty two. Yeah, it's it's genius marketing. But it's so cringe. uh, (laughs) Yeah, launch date. She launched this uh, actually today. This launched today. Um, So every Swifty who will be uh, graduating from their particular institution um, is encouraged to look into getting an I'm Feeling 22 shirt. I'm pretty sure you'll probably see people who didn't graduate in the year of 22. Stickers. They'll just have one. Just because <laughs> you'll probably see them on eBay. <laughs> so um, I know it includes long sleeve shirts and um, sweatshirts. There's also a tote bag. Um, I don't know if this is a little journal or a uh, a wallet. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, it is a journal. And. Uh, I you, which item was sold out? Um, the saw? first item that that came up actually when I typed in the filling twenty two line was a crew neck sweatshirt. Um, that was gray and had a cat on it, and talked about living and laughing. I don't know, but it was sold out. Um, sixty bucks, which is shocking. Oh yeah, with the cat, it says uh, like a school logo. It says happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. Is that a, that's a line from the song, right? I think so. I didn't like that song. I'm I'm wondering. So Taylor Swift, the original, this album was released originally October twelfth, twenty twelve. It's ten years ago. She been playing it for ten years, not five. So, she played it for ten. So you're eight years old. <laughs> if you're graduating this year when this came out, if you're eighteen, you were eight years old when this came out. Were you listening to this? Were you just like? eight, nine years old, going, I don't know about you, like, listening to this, or are you, I like, I would feel like some of the, the ones who are graduating now probably discovered her when, like, not even 1989, because that was next, maybe Reputation. Yeah. You know, like, do they get it? Or is it their parents? Or by like, the oh, time 1989 came around, that was a couple of years later. So they made their uh, 11, maybe, 10 or 11? I think they were listening to that, you know, <clears throat> because, I mean, it's pop. And it's innocent. I feel like she had a lot of preteen fans. Mm-hmm. So Red was played in the car on the way to school. <laughs> but if they like took the bus or had their own iPod or whatever, um, their own, however they were able to listen to music, they were able to listen to 1989 on their own. And everything that came after. Yeah. Because I, I imagine some of them were probably like, what is this? I know folklore <laughs> and like, <laughs> and whatever the other one dream or whatever she had. I don't know. I'm a bad Swifty. I'm not a Swifty, but yeah, I just, that'd be funny. I don't know. Uh, it also includes a grad cap patch and charm set. So patches you can put on your letterman jacket or uh, the charms you can put on a bracelet or whatever. I thought jocks weren't cool anymore. Like I thought, that's what I thought. I thought it was cool to be smart. Like, are you lettering in science now? And the set is uh, twenty five dollars. You get five patches and four charms. 
the t-shirt is $30. Um, I don't know if it has different colors. It's it looks like it just has one color. It's kind of pricey for a t-shirt, man. You got the long sleeve shirt. You got the cupcake toppers and liners. That kills me, man. Like, <laughs> it's like having a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles party only with Taylor Swift stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you got the cups and uh, plates. plates and cups and napkins, <laughs> a notebook, <laughs> stickers. <Loons. laughs> they thought of everything, man. Um, a hoodie, balloons, a tote bag. Wow. You think she got this made in America? <laughs> I mean, she's from she's from Middle America, from, from Pennsylvania or whatever, <laughs> from the heartland. She signed up for uh, how to make your own stuff on Etsy, and like, but and I'm Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, I want I'm Taylor Swift, and here we are. <laughs> oh, no, that's what she really said. She said that. I was like, geez, like that's that's hilarious. That's just I would that'd be the equivalent of if she opened an Etsy store. That's the equivalent of Bella Thorne making OnlyFans. Like it's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> Something about this feels wrong. Like, why is Taylor Swift using all of her resources to compete with us on on Etsy? (laughs) Oh, God, that'd be funny. All right, so um, that's what's going on there with that. Um, I would say if anyone listening to us actually buys anything, please take a picture and tag us. I would love to see somebody in a Phil in 22 um, sweatshirt or with the cake toppers. At their graduation party. That'd be funny. I'm going to look for this, by the way. If I find a picture, we got to post it. So uh, the (laughs) next story we have is, uh, well, Doja Cat says she's quitting um, after uh, going at it with some fans, some South American fans on Twitter. Um, She is still performing. Uh, She had some tweets that uh, she's performing in Brazil and uh, she got into it with some fans on Twitter after a canceled concert in Paraguay. Some people may say Paraguay, but it's, I, I think it's pronounced Paraguay. Oh, okay. I didn't know what you were saying. Um, she got on Twitter after uh, playing, in L- playing in Lollapalooza. This was as of last night. Uh, she said she did not put on a good enough show, but she she'll try to do better for Friday night. Uh, the the Paraguay fans were mad because she never mentioned not playing there <laughs> about the uh, canceled show or or anything like that. And um, uh, it was canceled because of a storm and flooding, so Whoa. it wasn't even her fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, where people were coming at her about that, she replied, I'm not sorry. And, um, then she said, I moved on. I'm just going to let everybody be mad. So the fans were mad at her because of the canceled show, but it wasn't even on her why it was canceled. Um, she later uh, tweeted, uh, it's gone, and 
I don't give a fuck anymore. I fucking quit. I can't wait to fucking disappear. And I don't need you to believe in me anymore. Everything is dead to me. Music is dead. And I'm a fucking fool for ever thinking I was made for this is a fucking nightmare. Unfollow me. I'm not laughing at her. This is just. Um, she's supposed to go on tour this summer. Yeah, with the weekend. she's not quitting. She's it, that's a temper tantrum um, because fame um, is hard. I know p- some people like to think that it's just easy being famous is not. And she just and she's having a tough time right now. But um, she is signed to who's her who's her record label? Um, RCA, RCA. Kimasabi. Um, I'm pretty sure she's got an album, a multi-album deal. She's probably got lots of sponsors. Um, oh, oh, that's Tyson Tracks, aka Doctor Luke. I would make a joke here, but it'd be in poor taste. Yes. Um But I just know, like, what's the, what did Bill Burr say? A hundred million dollar whale. You're on one hundred million dollar whale right now that hasn't done anything controversial. They're not letting you walk. Like, they'd probably end her before they let her walk. There's too much money to be made. They probably won't want to end her because there's, there's still too much money and new stuff to be made. She's not on that label, man. She's not on Kimosabi? No, she's not on that label to where they will end her. Well, I'm just saying, like, there's – I'm thinking down the road, but, like, right now – Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, what happened to XXXTentacion. No, no. Oh, no. King Von <laughs> no. Young Dolph. And no, Aaliyah she's just – and uh, Damn, we just keep people. going. <laughs> it's kind of scary. I just, she just has. To, I mean, like, I don't know how old she is. She's twenty six years old. Maybe she doesn't understand quite how the music industry works. But like, you have, um, aside from yourself, you have a lot of commitments to a lot of people. Um, not, not just rich people. They're not going to let you walk. You can't walk. Um, they, she'd probably get sued into oblivion. I, I imagine breach of contract type things. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, never mind. I saw a paper route, and I thought that was the name of the Uh-oh. of that label. Then you got scared. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, "Oh, there's a connection." <laughs> so I don't. She'll never. She can't. I mean, like she'd have to. She'd have to go broke essentially to quit. She'd lose everything she had. And if she, I guess, if she's okay going back to being what she was pre music, because I feel like that's how bad they'd sue her. Well, I think I I think part of it now, part of if there is some kind of breakdown, I think it's more I think it's exhaustion. Yeah. She's been it feels like she's been going nonstop for the last three years at least. Mm -hmm. And with the with two albums going out on tour, it seems like she's been on every televised award show. If it's the Grammy, she's performing. If it's MTV, if it's Billboard, Mm -hmm. if it's the American Music Awards, if it's the iHeartRadio Awards. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she had, she's been performing that and also going on tour. I think it I think part of it is exhaustion, mm-hmm. but and I think the breakdown is like, okay, yeah, she didn't mention that she didn't perform in Paraguay. Uh did she have to? Like you saw why the show was canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I couldn't stop it from raining and flooding. But so. you're a Doja Cat. Why can't you? <laughs> like, um, I just I would yeah. hate for her yeah. to have to 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 like I said like and I agree you know this is probably and that's why I say it is hard to be it's hard to be famous it's hard to be on top because we've seen 
I mean, I know we've we've definitely covered artists on this podcast who had that big album and it's like you hit the road and you don't come back for a very long time because you're the hottest thing and you got to strike while the iron's hot. Like you can't you usually can't stop. I mean, like I know I talk crap about Beyonce, but like Beyonce was pumping albums out like so fast and stayed on tour and making public appearances. And if we're being honest, the fact that she never had a breakdown or anything like that kind of goes to show her mental toughness. If you really think about it, either that or just, you know, Matthew Knowles' ability to kind of really manage the situation. But like she cool as a cucumber. Rumors for her, it's really been nonstop. It was nonstop for like. For like a decade almost. (laughs) Well, going back to Destiny's Child, we're talking about. Almost 20 years. Yeah. I feel like now she's only slowed down because she got kids. Yeah. Rumors, everything. The video of of her husband and her sister fighting on the elevator. Can't stop, won't stop. Rumors about her <laughs> having having a surrogate mother or a surrogate parent to get pregnant. Can't stop, won't stop. Like nothing. Not saying that this makes Doja Cat weak. Everyone's built differently. I just, I guess what I always think of is, I do think with this this newer generation of artists, a lot of them don't stop to think about sometimes what it took to get them where they are. Like we know about the music industry and it's a big machine and you don't get that big by accident. It's typically a lot of things that have to go right. A lot of people making a lot of right moves in a lot of right places and like to just be like, I'm out, I'm good. You know, you can't just... You can you can certainly stop it. There might be consequences, but damn it, if it's not hard to like really bring it back, because some people once they go away, they never come back, whether it's on purpose or not. Once they once you step out of the spotlight and we forget about you, especially now, as quickly as new artists are coming out and making music, there's a lot of really hungry people out there who want to be where she is, and people will forget about you. And if she's happy with that, that's cool. But you know, grass ain't always greener is what I'll have to say. And I'll get off my high horse because I sound, I sound like an old man right now. <laughs> but, you know, I I guess props to Beyonce. Has that ever, is that a first <laughs> in BTTYHT history? <laughs> From you. <laughs> props to Beyonce. <laughs> hey, she, hey, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. So uh, another um, story that's come out today. Uh, Spotify has pulled out of Russia, citing new laws restricting free expression. Um, Are they really new? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, recent laws restricting news operations could put the streamers, employees, and listeners at risk. Um, it, but and this is more on the podcast side rather than the music um, hosting. You know, a range of podcasts, a, li- a host of political podcasts. They host us. Well, not host us, but we're on Spotify. Yes. Check us out. Um, <laughs> kind of got an issue with Spotify. I don't know if I need to speak with your manager. Um, <laughs> Good luck. Our, <laughs> our Lionel Richie episode, it doesn't have the whole thing. And uh, it's been almost a week. And our last episode still isn't hasn't appeared on Spotify. It's appeared on the other platforms. Do they think we're in Russia too? <laughs> I, I, we're not Russian, y'all. Is Joe Rogan upset with us? I mean, I don't, you know. I'm sorry if I upset you. I know I said you should be responsible, but you know. That doesn't mean we hating. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, bro. 
Oh man, yeah, Spotify, fix that, please. Um, so uh, uh, Spotify's decision to pull out of Russia underscores the balance that Western media companies need to strike, as they want to provide news to Russian citizens while facing significant challenges related to the country's invasion of Ukraine and the country's business environment. Um, on y'all way out, could y'all like sneak Brittany Griner out of there too? She's still there. <laughs> she's Is she still, still in prison there? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, this wouldn't have happened yeah. if they paid them more than the WNBA. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, oh, it, no, it, it, no, it's no, true. It's true. It's true. It's true. But I understand why they're not paid as much. Because in Russia, they the, the female players, they make like a million each. Oh, for real? Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, then why even play in the WNBA? Because they're not American. They want to play in America. I, <laughs> they want to play in America. The Americans do. Let a, let a, I mean, I don't manage call centers anymore. But let a call center over there offer me like a million dollars to do my job. You going? I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. Like, I'll go right now. Put down the headphones. Walk out. <laughs> hop on a <the> plane. <laughs> Take my money. I just worked for one year and quit. I mean, that's... So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset. Uh, so Spotify expects to fully suspend operations there by the end of April. Uh, they had stopped offering premium subscriptions, but they still have the free service. And uh, they will close an office there and remove Russian state media content. That's so sad, man. It's always the people. I forget who said this, but. It's always the people, not the governments, that suffer when these when the government's screwing up. I feel bad for these people now. I mean, Spotify is the biggest streaming service in the world, and now you won't be able to access it um, and all of its content, and that's really sad. And, I mean, Putin don't care. <laughs> government officials don't care. You're just hurting the people. It, it, it sucks. I hate it. Yeah, I mean, and so their decision is based more on the country's recent crackdown on news and other media that could shine a negative light on the Russian war. Yeah, they've been. And, but it's like the only people who war. are okay with the war there is Russia. Yeah. The country, just the country itself. But there are people still trying to get out of there. Yeah. You know, um, and I understand, like, you know, you've seen the memes where you're like, we need to pray for Russia. Like, and then black people, they're just like, minding their own business <laughs> I can definitely understand it like but it's not to say that we don't care mm -hmm. it's more of what do you expect me to do yeah like I I, I can't do anything about it you know thoughts and prayers Greg thoughts and prayers that's what we do with everything man thoughts and prayers and we need a, a Ukraine filter on Facebook I mean they've got them on um I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it exists already. I just never <laughs> mess with my profile picture because I see every other TikToker with um, changing their colors or their 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 avatar or icon or whatever to it. Yeah, it, and including several subreddits. And our NFL is one of the ones that comes to mind. Um, we stand with with Ukraine, so um, yeah. So okay. Um, but they didn't stand with uh, Rwanda, or they didn't stand. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. They didn't stand with Flint, Michigan. No, I didn't stand with Flint, Michigan. It's been over a decade. They still don't have good water. I think it fixed. Mm. Someone said they fixed it. I cannot confirm or deny it, but someone said they fixed it. So 
I mean, I still wouldn't drink their water <laughs> just because, I mean, hell, I went to Mexico and made that mistake, bro. <laughs> we were sick for the first two days. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it was really, it was really awful. But yeah, I wouldn't drink their water. I don't think our, I don't think our stomachs can handle it. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> all right. So we have, you know, TikTok is taking over, and uh, a big thing that that uh, with I guess sales or popularity is mm-hmm. on the platform. Um, you know, uh, rest in peace to Lashawn. Her song "Act Like You Know" went viral because of <laughs> yeah, or because of TikTok. Yeah, um, you know, and a lot a lot of songs have become popular uh, because of TikTok. Uh, being used in the dances and the, the dances skits, and, yeah, and, yeah. It's I mean it's it's a phenomenon to the point of where you have people wondering if people make music exclusively, specifically to go viral on TikTok. So uh, what TikTok is doing now, they have officially launched their own music distribution platform called Sound On. The platform promised. 100% royalties to the artist in their first year and then 90% each year after. It, so it's, you know, how they, like if it's too good to be true, it is. <laughs> Not saying that TikTok doesn't have the best of intentions, but where are they going to, I mean, like are they're going to have to really up their advertising because you're you'd be paying music creators content creators which i've heard content creators don't get paid very much at all not on tiktok yeah like they said it's more profitable to have half million followers on instagram than it is have a million followers on tiktok you just don't make as much so i mean it's they're they're a publicly traded company right but they're they're in china though i'd be interested to see their financials that just seems like a really hard thing to do I know a lot of companies run constantly in the red, but like, geez, like you're paying your content creators who make the videos and you're trying to get, you're probably trying to get everyone. And it's got to be the right content creator because it was so easy to steal ideas from people. And you and now you want to, you want people to distribute their music through you and you're going to pay them a hundred percent. So you're taking a loss that first year if enough people sign up. And a lot of people, I hear, I but heard about it all the time. if it's enough people, they get 10% of all those people the next year. If they stay on, is it like, how long do they have to sign on for? Because uh, in this day. Well, I mean, it looks like it's just like putting your stuff on Spotify or Apple Music. So, but. Is there the, some kind of contract in that regard? Yeah. So, for instance, my distributor, um, which is DistroKid. Um, basically you get to upload as much music as you want for an X amount of dollars a year. So for instance, and I think Brandon even talked about this once, if you don't re up on it, they take your music down unless you pay, there's an extra fee you can pay that will just make it stay up there forever and ever. But if you don't, yeah, they will take it off. So I don't know if TikTok will work in or sound on will work in that sense where you, um, you buy into it yearly and they just, you know, if you don't pay, they take you off because 
Everyone could do it like a free trial of Netflix, bro, and just go up there, sign up for a year, and then after that year, all right, I'm taking it back and just leave, you know. Um, not to mention, if you're just on TikTok, so we'll sound on and haven't, you know, to other platforms. Or is it just TikTok? Because. Well, this is just the. Well, if the artist will do that. Well, no, if TikTok will be like, hey, like, like DistroKid sends it to Evers. I feel like it's maybe like 20 stores that they'll send it to. Will SoundOn do that as well? Because it says they'll distribute to other music platforms, but they don't really have a list, you know? So, like, what if they start beefing with, with Spotify? <laughs> well, that is the that is the threat, that there will be beef um, with other. There will be beef with the other services. Yeah. Um, and, and these artists, you can, if they see, oh, I get a hundred percent of the royalties, I'm going over to, to TikTok mm-hmm. to sound on. And there, uh, this distinct difference between what the other platforms pay, uh, Spotify play pays, uh, let's see, that's 10, three thousandths of a cent yeah. to five thousandths of a cent. Per stream. In their defense, though, I don't know if this is still the case. I know when they came out, they had the highest percentage of their profits paid to um, to artists. And now they have among the lowest. Oh, God. It went that low, huh? Yeah, they used to pay like 50%, 50 or 60%, which some people are like, Jesus, that's really high. And now they've gone from that to that. That's crazy. <laughs> um, that's insane. And... Uh, you know, 70% of total revenue per stream goes to the artist on Spotify. Um, India RE, when she called out Spotify over the whole Joe Rogan thing, uh, artists get, you know, that much while Joe Rogan has $120 million or however much it is. And um, I hate to say it, though, Joe Rogan makes them more money. That That's that, though. TikTok signed a deal with United Masters and... Universal Music Group routinely signed global licensing deals with TikTok to promote their artists. And uh, according to a study by analytics company MRC Data, data, 67% of users are inclined to dig deeper into an artist once they hear a song on the app. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for example, they had, uh, I don't know if you heard the song Track Star by Booski. I don't know. I probably have. I, I'm on TikTok a lot. Uh, there were d- various dance challenges to that song, and the song went on to be certified platinum. And then there's he has a remix with Chris Brown, um, <laughs> or then how, how wouldn't uh, Fleetwood Mac's Dreams hit yeah. the top ten because of TikTok? It returned to the Billboard 100, Hot 100. So um, they're definitely going to push their artists more too. Which could be a good or a bad thing, depending on how how good the quality of their their roster is. Because if you're pushing crap, and then there's also the like I said with the appropriation of dances and, or people stealing. Yeah, that happens ideas. a lot. That happens a lot. Uh, black TikTokers have pointed out the hypocrisy that certain users on the apps are able to monetize mm-hmm. the dances that they've stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this article, it's from Revolt. Uh, they said, let's hope the self-proclaimed creator of TikTok, Soldier Boy, can, create, can address these concerns. Soldier Boy going to say he the first artist to sign with Sound On. You know he is. Sound On? <laughs> Musically? 
I was me. Who you think taught them? <laughs> oh God, I'm. I I'll be curious to see where it goes. I I think the reason they're doing this is because the 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 creators, the content creators, want something like this really badly. Only thing is, what TikTok doesn't understand is every content creator doesn't create music. So, will there be enough people out there for this to make it worth it? Um, to know that they signed with United Masters mean that they won't bear the brunt of... Because at first I was like, how are they going to do this? But United Masters has the infrastructure to do this. So, um, that makes it sound a little bit better. But then also, if you sign to do with United Masters and you're given 100% royalties... That means you're losing money because you got to pay off the top. You had to pay United Masters for this deal. <laughs> and then you're losing money already off of. So, yeah. So expect to see more ads, people, on TikTok. <laughs> A lot more ads. Um, Before we get to the charts, I was trying to pull up my uh, uh, cover song of the week. And I had it. I thought I had it on a list. And now I can't find that playlist anymore. Um, Whoa. Sound off. Sound off. Oh. Uh, An oldie. An oldie cover, but a goodie. I I think. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So um, I was hearing this song that this past week and. I like this version of it. I'm not a huge, you probably know when, when I say the person's name, the original artist, you'll know what song I'm talking about. I'm not a big Peter Frampton fan. I love Peter Frampton, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> He's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, But I like this version of his song. Uh, Baby, uh, I, I like love you. Oh, okay. I feel, I was like, I know what it is. As soon as you say Peter Frampton. <laughs> By uh, Big Mountain, the oh. reggae band. Uh, like the most, um, I don't even know if they're, I think, I feel like they are American. Maybe not. Let me, let me get this. Yes, they are. They are American. I was going to say the name American like that. reggae band. Um, so, uh, they're corporate reggae, you might say, but I still like this version of their song. Craigie? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is my cover song of the week. Uh, if it will ever start playing, there it is. And uh, we'll be right back. Every day, yeah, yeah. Ooh, baby, I love your way. Every day. Shadows grow so long before my eyes. And they're moving across the bay. Oh, no. 
That is my cover song of the week. Ben and I will alternate on that. Uh, if you want to see them, they're playing tonight at the Music Box in San Diego. I know they're still active. Yeah, Phantom Planet's going to be there in May. <laughs> I didn't know they were still there. And shout out to Matt on the West Coast. RX Bandits will be there on June 4th. I don't think many bands know who, people know who they are, but I know he's a big fan. All right, so let's get to the charts um, in the Hot 100. They were number one last week. Uh, they're still number one. Heat oh. Waves by Glass Animals, number one. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. Number two, Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. I'm not happy for that one. <laughs> Um, number three, Super Gremlin by Kodak Black. Number four, ABCDEFU <coughs> by Gale. Number five, We Don't Talk About Bruno from the Encanto soundtrack. Number six, Ghost by Justin Bieber. Number seven, Easy On Me by Adele. Number eight, The Return. Dude, where have they been? Of Imagine Dragons. Huh. They have a song called Enemy with uh, J.I.D., and number nine, That's What I Want by Lil Nas X. And number 10, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. So Imagine Dragons, they're back. They saw what Glass Animals did. I'm like, no, we, we need that title back. <laughs> We're the original. <laughs> that was us. Uh, let's look at the Billboard 200. These are the top 10 albums. Debuting at number one, 7220. 7220. I'm not sure how it's being marketed, but Lil Durk's album debuts at number one with no help from Morgan Wallen. <laughs> <laughs> number two, Impera, Impera by Ghost. Are you familiar with Ghost? I am not. Debuting at number two. Are they a band or? I have no idea. Yeah, I've never heard of them. Number three, the Encanto soundtrack. Number four, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Debuting at number five, Who Cares by Rex Orange County. Are you familiar with them? What the? No, I've never heard of them. What is going on this week? These are some. Uh, Number six, The Highlights by The Weeknd. Number seven, What Are We Waiting For by For King and Country. Now, I have heard of them. Okay, I'm like, who are these bands? Like. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a duo and I think they're kind of in the vein of glass animals and imagine dragons as far as their, their sound, but mm-hmm. they're probably more on the inspirational side than, um, the, the secular side. So ghost is a heavy metal band from Sweden <laughs> and, uh, Rex Orange County is just a guy named Alexander James O'Connor, singer-songwriter from, uh, he's English, so he's not even from California. It's kind of lame. Well, some, uh, you say he's British? Yeah, he's British. Some British bands did that. Like, they would name themselves something that had nothing to do with them as people. I remember there's a, a, a synth-pop band in the 80s called Japan. None of them are Japanese. <laughs> or Asia. <laughs> or Asia. They're not, none of them were Asian. <laughs> not even remotely. 
Uh, number eight, DS Forever by Gunna. Number nine, Certified Lover Boy by Drake. And number 10, Planet Her by Doja Cat. Um, maybe her Twitter, um, her Twitter storm may uh, boost album sales. I would hate to find out that was a marketing ploy. <sighs> or to go number one in Paraguay. <laughs> <laughs> the Artist 100, he has the number one album, new music. Of course, Lil Durk is number one this week. Number two is Ghost. <laughs> and they have been on this chart before. <laughs> they must have some heavy social media presence there. They have been on this chart a total of five weeks. Huh. Uh, I mean, all time. I don't know how. I don't know if they were on the chart before uh, moving up. They were unranked last week. Yeah. So this week, number two. Number three, Ed Sheeran. Number four, The Weeknd. Number five, Doja Cat. Probably be number one next week. Uh, number six, for King and Country, number seven, Drake, number eight, Morgan Wallen, number nine, Luke Combs, and number 10, Adele. You know what this means for Adele. It's time for the second single. Let's <laughs> get <getting> people interested <laughs> again. <laughs> All right. So that will do it for our uh, music news. Ben, why don't you tell us about your earworm of the week? All right. So it is um, an acapella group. I don't know where they're from, but they're called On the Rocks. And... It is their version. I think they're a college group, but it's their version of um, All Time Low. I can't get enough of it. I, no offense to John Bellion, but I think it's better than his version. They throw some absolutely beautiful harmonies and background, just background vocals in there to where it just sounds, it sounds amazing. I listen to it now more than I listen to the original, which can sometimes happen with certain acapella versions because there's just some really great acapella versions out there. All right, so this is All Time Low by On The Rocks, and we'll be right back. Low, 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 was a knight in shining armor in your movie Well put your lips on mine and love the aftertaste now I'm a ghost, I call your name, you look right through me You're the reason I'm alone in this
that is All Time Low by On The Rocks. Yeah, I think I listened to this three times on the way over here. I'm not I'm not even kidding. <laughs> um, shout out to Off The Beat, too, who's another good one there. That's how I kind of got introduced to it way back when in my freshman year of college. 20 years ago. Jeez. <laughs> so old <laughs> don't say it too much they won't they won't remember <laughs> um so uh you can find that on our btt yht earworms playlist right now all right so um we started this particular episode with the song don't stand so close to me uh by the police and we'll be giving our because five songs by the police um, we have done an episode about one of their projects before, mm-hmm. uh, Synchronicity. That was a couple of years ago. Jeez, um, that long, man. Yeah. Oof. Um, it was. <laughs> I think. I think it's called Sting Be Reading because he do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of his songs were based on stuff he was reading, essentially. Um, so we're gonna give our because five. For those who are unfamiliar with the format of this particular kind of episode, uh, we do have a top five. Why? Because five. five yeah. <laughs> uh, we do pick two honorable mentions each just as an excuse to play more music. So I also think of it as a reason to like for the people who are like, where's this song? Where's that song? Where's this song? Yeah, throw your bone. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up a little. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I'll tell you this right now. I think we have one, two. I think we only have two songs in common. So this will be a very varied list. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with <laughs> your first honorable mention. All right. <laughs> I feel like Matt would say this would be my honorable mention just to be different, but it's, it just is. Um, it's Roxanne. Um, it's a good song. Had you asked me in high school, young Ben would have probably said, or I was going by Thomas then, would have probably put this number one because I was obsessed with this song. thought it was awesome because um, I'd never really heard anything like it, you know. And it was written originally to be a tango, which you can hear in, was it Moulin Rouge? They do the tango so. to Roxanne. <clears throat> but, I mean, then they turned it into this, like, mix of ska and and funk and reggae. And it's just completely different with some crazy polyrhythms by, um, well, not polyrhythms, but there's some really crazy syncopated offbeat stuff by um, Stuart Copeland in the, uh, in the verse at the end of the verse right here. It's so cool how he does this. Like, he's just... It is one of those songs where you hear a lot of their influences just kind of come through, you know, and I, and I, and I guess that's kind of just like when you think of the police, some people call them punk, <laughs> some people call them ska, some people call them reggae, you can call them world music at certain points. Yeah. It's just like their, their influences and their styles are like all over the place. And I will say like in this song which is like what it's like three minutes maybe yeah like you hear you hear everything on on display here you know especially from like their early their early stuff so not my favorite song anymore but still a pretty good song 
this song reminds me of like the I guess when it became the song became famous in America mm-hmm. was because of the movie Forty Eight Hours uh, with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Really, I didn't know that. There's okay. a scene where Eddie Murphy's character, like for those not familiar mm-hmm. with the movie, it's uh, Nick Nolte is the the grizzled detective, <laughs> and uh, he's trying to find some guy before he leaves town, or he was going to leave town or something, and the only person who can help him find him is another criminal named Reggie. I think his name was Reggie Valentine. That's Eddie Murphy's character. But the first, I think the first scene we see with Eddie Murphy, he has a, he has a Walkman in the prison cell. He's in a holding cell <laughs> with a Walkman singing Roxanne as loud as he possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> so when people found out what the song was, it became a hit in America. And that is from on their album, Outlandish the Moor, Outlaws of Love. Uh, they had some very interesting. Sting, man, titles. stop. <laughs> he was reading, man. So extra. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I forget what album this was on. So give me a second while I pull up my first honorable mention. Uh, the version that I do, I, I do like both versions of this Um this was on the album Regatta de Blanc. Um, this is the original version. I kind of lean towards more the live version when Sting went solo. Okay, okay. Uh, it's which is more. That's more the sophista pop jazz mm-hmm. version of it, but I still like this version of it as well. So yeah, this he, is Bring on the Night. Okay, yeah, he really did have that reinvention. <laughs> After yeah. he left, as like he just completely changed yeah. <laughs> directions <laughs> and really never kind of went back. It's crazy, you know? No. The closest was this latest album he did with um, the one that Josh Freeze played on, which was kind of punk. But yeah. I don't think I've heard his version, though, that he did. So where did he did? Was it like a live acoustic version or? It was with the. The band on the Dreaming of Blue Turtles, yeah, with, with okay. Marsalis and okay. all them. Uh, it was that. Uh, it was a live version of that. I okay. played a little bit after, after this when he became a jazz musician. <laughs> 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 Started playing jazz. <laughs> um, so this out, it's on Regatta de Blanc. I don't think it was a single or anything. Um. It's one of those songs. A lot, I like a lot of state, the way Sting writes. It sounds mm-hmm. very. It sound. It, it's kind of dark. Yeah, uh, but then it sounds like happy. Yeah, he likes time. to write verses a lot of times in minor keys. Yeah, or ending on non-final um, cadences, and then just go to a major key, and everything sounds kind of like happy and go lucky, and it's like, oh, okay, like. And I will point that out because there's another song where he does that where I'll, I'll point it out later. But, no, that's a very astute observation with his writing. All right. Here's the live version from the hit the film Bring On The Night. I thought this was his song for a while. I didn't know this was a song by the police. But this is the version I heard first. Yeah, that guitar part's crazy. But, I mean... Andy. He's good. He's a good guitar player. (laughs) 
everybody gets a little bit further into it. Okay, I, yeah, that sounds okay. And uh, a little bit of news as we before we go to our second honorable mention. St. Peter's won. <laughs> they are the first 15 seed ever to make the wow. Elite Eight. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Shout out to uh, Shaheen Holloway. He, uh, I remember him playing at Seton Hall. He's their head coach now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I remember him being the point guard at Seton Hall. Um, St. Peter's is out of New Jersey, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Oh, because that's the team that beat um, – that was um, the team that everyone, when they beat Kentucky, was like, that's the largest gap in spending ever. Like, I think it was like they spend – Eight hundred thousand dollars a year on their program. Oh, yeah. and it's like Kentucky spends like twelve million or something like that. It was funny. Like, like that's uh, insane. <laughs> it was funny with the. Or it might have been five hundred thousand. I don't know, but with the when in the tournament, both schools get an allotment of tickets, mm-hmm. and St. Peter's didn't sell all of theirs. Oh, so they were asking Kentucky, could you buy the rest? <laughs> I mean. You know, just so the tickets don't go to waste. Yeah. And Kentucky was like, nah, I mean, we already got our, We, you know, we only do that for the second round games. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like Michael Jordan, and I took that personal. That's <laughs> I thought the largest gap would have been Mercer and Duke, but apparently it's, it's close, but it's not the, it's not the biggest gap. Because, like, Mercer looks like they don't spend nothing on theirs, and they beat Duke, and I was so happy. Mercer looks like they forget they have a basketball yeah. team. <laughs> like, hey, y'all, um, should we go? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So, uh, shout, shout out, out to St. Pete's. Shout out yeah. to St. Peter's. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, your second armor mention. Mm. All right, so my second one, and I think this could be a theme with some of these songs where we heard them first by another artist and that made us start, or in your case, you heard a different version. But um, there's a band called Afterglow Radio that used to cover this song. It's called Can't Stand Losing You. Um, They're not together anymore. I can't remember if their bass player or their guitar player died, and that's why they broke up. But they're out of Florida. They did a kick-ass cover of this song. And it made me start liking the original as well. Um, some funny lyrics. <laughs> with the, and he's six foot ten. Just, just some, you know, <laughs> if that felt like a forced rhyme. <laughs> Whose brother's six foot ten? <laughs> but very, very reggae inspired song. Um, just sounds really cool. I just, I just like it. I don't, I don't really think there's anything special about this one. It's just a fun song. Like a nice little, the way he sings the hook too. I, I, I stand, I can't stand. Like, I just like that little refrain as well. It's a great song. And I feel like this is a song where he did not read anything. No, you really to, didn't. To, to, like, be inspired. <laughs> well, even playing as well, playing the song as well. Like, it's, 
you know, like it's very straightforward. Like you can just you can you can hear the the upstrokes from from Andy Summers, like the, just the reggae drums from um, from Stuart Copeland. And I have to, I guess I got to give more credit because the last time we did that episode about um, synchronicity, Matt was like, ah. I was like, I was, I've been with a lot of what you said, but I, I disagree with your views on Sting about him being an average bass player. <laughs> so if Matt, if you're listening, you're right. He's, I've listened to him more. Um, while he may not be the most technical bass player, he know he definitely understands rhythm. Because you kind of have to to play in a band like this. Because there's a lot going on. And to on. be the lead singer. And to be time. singing at, at the same time. You got to have a good sense of rhythm. So. I, I'm giving him his flowers <laughs> as a bass player. Um, of course, Sting wrote this by himself. Of course, yeah. Uh, he says this song is about a teenage suicide. Oh, that's really dark. <laughs> and, of course, the lyrics took him five minutes to write. I got to show you this. There's this guy on TikTok. <laughs> this reminds me of him. It's called, like, um, the skits are called Musical Genius. And it's just two people having a regular conversation, and he goes, "Oh, dude, that reminds me of a that reminds me of a, of a that gives me an idea for a song," and like he just walks, and on the way over, he made the beat. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I made the beat on the way over. Here it is," and then he just got the lyrics. That's a famous song, but that's what that makes me think of. It's just like, "Oh yeah, he just writes the lyrics." Granted, they're not the most complex lyrics, but still, five minutes is pretty good. But maybe that's why he said six foot ten. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it rhymed. It's like, ah, I got three minutes to beat my, my personal best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, another track from Outlandish D'Amore. And my second honorable mention is another track from Regatta de Blanc. Um, you may have heard this song covered by John Mayer um, at the beginning of his superstardom. Um, but I, I prefer the original. This is message in a bottle. Yeah, he did this. He did this a lot. <laughs> I feel like he kind of got famous for it. For covering this? Yeah. Not famous because of it, but like it was ex- like one of those things like he has to do it now. Like where he went. <laughs> um, I feel like this was a song based on something Sting read. Um, Uh, well, it's about, you know, being a castaway, and, mm-hmm. and he thinks he's destined to be alone, and then the next day he sees 100 billion bottles. <laughs> um, I always thought it was interesting, because um, we covered this um, band I was in, so not Token White or anything, but um, If By Chance, the one I was in with Matt, other Matt, and um, Billy and Josh, I have no clue where they are, Billy and Josh. But yeah, we used to cover this, because Matt was... Um, was big into this song. I don't know if it's because John Mayer covered it, because I know Matt is a big John Mayer fan, had his strat and everything. And we covered we covered this. I think we covered um, another one. Yeah, we did, which I will talk about later. But yeah, so I had to learn the lyrics, and they were they were weird, man. Especially when you got to the part about how all the bottles washed up on sea, a hundred thousand other souls just as lost as me. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. <laughs> But that's Sting. That's why how he likes to write. Uh, this song has been covered by American Hi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hold on, what? Flavor of the Week American Hi-Fi? Yeah. For the film Rugrats, Rugrats Go Wild. Mm, I'll be checking that uh, out after this episode. I I, listen, I heard this version earlier today. Modest Yahoo has done one. 
<laughs> Sorry, that was that sounds disrespectful. That's yeah, and this song probably in the days of Napster or any file sharing service was incorrectly labeled as sending out an SOS. I wouldn't be surprised. That's I feel like that could be if we could find some, that could be an episode in itself. Songs um, with incorrect titles and attributed to the wrong artist because <laughs> that happened. All the time. <laughs> yes. All right. So that is your second. That's your second. That was my second. Yeah. That was mine. Okay. So number five. All right. So number five. Once again, heard also another band. Atlantis, the more. Heard another band do it. Um, Edna Swap. So um, Edna Swap, who was the original band that did Torn. Okay. I, I, by that Natalie and Bulia on the soundtrack to Jawbreaker. Hmm. covered this song next to you um, because I didn't do my research. <laughs> I thought that it was their song. I was like, damn, this song fucking rocks. Like, it's a great song. Then I found out it was a cover and fell in love with it. And um, I mean, this is their earlier days when they were, they sounded a little bit more punk. More punk, yeah. Um, I know we've kind of, I think we've mentioned it before that like they haven't really been this punk in a while. Um, Sting hasn't even really been rock. Until he did that song that he recently did, um, what, 30, 40 years later? (laughs) (laughs) He's kind of going back to his his, his punk records. Um, Ironically, with this latest release that he did, I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, He he played this song on some show, on some late night show with Josh Freeze on drums. And it, they flew, man. Like, it felt like they're going faster. And, of course, Josh Freeze had no problem keeping up. But it was just, it was cool to see him kind of let his hair down, so to speak, because he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't do it that much anymore. So it was fun. But I just love this song because it's just so fun. Um, again, from Outlandish the Moor. Um, I think it's one of their... Um, like you said, it's one of their more punk sounding songs. And um, let's see if I, there was something else about it. Because yeah, this was from, I always forget Outlandos, Outlanders the first the track. Yeah, first track. opening track from their first album. <laughs> <laughs> um, they got popular, you know, in America playing at CBGBs, which I don't even think exists anymore. The famous, you know, was, stood for country, blue, country blues and bluegrass. Couldn't find that there. It was a punk venue. And um, you would, you know, you hear stories about them getting enough fistfights backstage in between sets. You know, they were considering where they went. They just were so punk at the beginning. <laughs> uh, it says when Sting originally presented the song to his bandmates, they felt it was neither aggressive nor political enough for their punk sensibilities. Andy <laughs> Summers and Stuart Copeland suggested replacing the lyrics with Summers offering. I'm going to take a gun to you. Jeez. <laughs> Instead of all I want is to be next to you. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Sting vetoed that and kept his original. Lyrics. He vetoes a lot. <laughs> is this where it started? <laughs> He's like, do you remember when you uh, said gun? <laughs> that, I wanted to ask you, like, when you, when you said you saw Sting perform with Josh Freeze, was that that moment? Like, remember the story of when uh, they performed at Sting's wedding? And then, like, five seconds to the song, they're, like, looking at each other, like, (laughs) 
just giving each other the evil eye. Sting, they're not playing something right. Did Sting look at Josh Reese like that? He kept it. I mean, he kept it cool. And I mean, I'm not saying that Josh Reese, um, Josh Freeze is a better drummer than Stuart Copeland, but he's very on. Like he's one of those drummers. Like if you tell him to play it a certain way, he's going to play it. So I imagine um, a drummer like that is the perfect type of drummer to work with someone like Sting, who is a who seems to be a perfectionist to me at least. Um, just because everyone he's ever played with just sounds really, really, really good. And I think one of the things he probably didn't like about Stewart, Stewart likes to play fast. Like I've mm. seen a lot of their performances. He is, he's a, he can play these different styles, but he is always kind of felt to me at heart, like a jazz drummer. He's never going to play it the same way twice. He's in the moment. He plays what he feels and that probably drives Sting nuts. But Stewart's just like, I'm up there. I'm having fun. I'm I'm doing it. And, like, if the song, because they've got some fast songs. If the song is, like, 110 beats per minute, when they play it live, Stewart's probably starting it out at 120. Just saying. Like, he's he, so, so, so fast. And that probably drives him nuts. <laughs> but the fact that he can still do it and keep it together is impressive. Like, that's hard, man. <laughs> um, So that was, what number was that for you? Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my number five, this was not a single. And we talked about this on the episode about synchronicity because this is from synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called tea in the Sahara. Uh, and this is the inspiration for the title of that episode. Sting <laughs> be reading. reading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this song. Uh, I, I liked how the, the, bass and the uh, guitar played off each other. Uh, Sting also plays the oboe on this track. Um, It's about the book The Sheltering Sky by Mm -hmm. Paul Bowles. And uh, it's just eerie, man. Yeah. Uh, Tina Sahara sounds very British. Like something (laughs) that they would do. Uh, he said he was a fan of the Sting was a fan of the novel and uh, it would later became a film and he said it's one of the most beautiful sustained poetic novels I've ever read it's about Americans that regard themselves as travelers and not tourists and I class myself in that category I'm a hopeless tourist but I'm constantly on the move hmm. um, and the story within a story that sort of an Arab legend that was told in the story of three sisters who invite a prince to a tea party out in the desert to have tea, tea in the Sahara. They have tea and it's wonderful and he promises to come back and he never does. They just wait and wait until it's too late. So it's about that part of the story. And that's so, that's really sad. Um, this was not a single. Uh, it was the B-side to uh, King of Pain and Wrapped Around Your Finger. Uh, also on Synchronicity. And uh, he also performed this um, with the Dream of Blue Turtles band, yeah. <laughs> basically. And um, there's a live version on the Synchronicity tour. And uh, he performed it also on his Unplugged. Which is actually pretty good. Because um, I think he, on that one, he does a really nice version of Roxanne as well that I actually like better than the original. But some really good stuff on there, which shows just how versatile of an artist he can be. All right. 
Uh, so that's my number f- five. There's your number five. five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So number four, Ben. So number four is every little thing she does is magic. And so this is kind of one of those songs where, you know, we talked about with the um, the first one you had. I can't think of the name of it now. From Regatta de Blanc. Um, oh, Bring on the Night. Bring on the Night. Starts out kind of, you know, pensive. Almost kind of sounds like it's in a minor key. I think it starts out with an inverted key to a major key to a minor to a minor chord. Um, and then just kind of goes happy when you get to the every little thing. Like it kind of, even in the video, they're like kind of jumping around and having a good time. <laughs> um, this was always my favorite part of the song. And I had always, for the longest time, I'd wish he found a way to kind of keep it in that minor. Because I just, at the time, that's just who I was. But I've kind of grown to appreciate this part. And then how he kind of brings it back in the verses. And then even at the end in the outro where he has the EO, which you could argue might have been an early inspiration for the millennial whoop. I don't know. But you could make that argument. But um, And I think I started to gain an appreciation for it when I heard covers of it. Because a lot of times when I was younger, I did not go out of my way to listen to the police. But, like, everyone likes to cover them for some reason. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's a proving thing. I don't know. But a band called Raw from New Jersey did a cover of this that was really good. And I liked the song before that, but that just re-sparked my love of the song. And I've been listening to it a lot ever since. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a fan of this song. <laughs> it's like a, it's an acquired taste. It is. The, but the, the main reason why I'm not a fan of this song is because I heard it too much oh who'd you how'd you it seemed like it was in like any romantic comedy yeah yeah um and but the song's about unrequited love yeah like yeah everything she does is magic but i'm too scared to call her yeah but that's so. like isn't that every romantic comedy <laughs> up until a certain in, in point? a way yes yeah. <laughs> in a way it is it's perfect for the commercials and i agree you you did hear it a lot um just because it's kind of light and it's airy and it has this part and it's kind of you know it's kind of fun and you can just like with the trailer to a romantic comedy that's what you want it's like he was an ordinary bookstore owner and she was the <laughs> biggest star in the world it's Notting Hill by the way um, <laughs> mm-hmm, see <laughs> I'm not gonna front I just saw that for the first time maybe four months ago I've, I've never seen it it's not great it's okay I kind of feel like with that new Owen Wilson, Jennifer Lopez movie, they ripped it off. Because it's literally about an ordinary guy that owns a bookstore. And Julia Roberts is the biggest star in the world. And they fall for each other. Somehow. Yeah. Hugh Grant was that dude. Until he saw that woman on the street. Befuddling (laughs) charm. Yeah. Like, I, I went back and I was like, Jesus, he really was like the romantic comedy guy and I think they've been trying to make a new one of him but they can't I think they wanted it to be one of the Wilson brothers but they just don't have his befuddingly charm like they just don't have it like will we ever get that again you gotta be British I feel like you gotta be (laughs) yeah it's not alpha male enough to be you know to fumble over your words and be okay um, with it uh, yeah Oh. And just be and like it's just like in the moment. Oh my god! Like that's the one beta they liked. <laughs> the, the bit that uh, 
Eddie Izzard did about like every British film you've ever seen. It's always seen like <laughs> someone burst into a door, like, oh, um, uh, uh, oh, um, what are you doing? And I'm doing a terrible British accent, but it's like I'm arranging matches, and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I'll show you that clip after. <laughs> so ridiculous. All right, um, my number four. Okay, uh, I'm not sure if this was. Let me pull it up really quick. Uh, okay, so this is from Synchronicity, and. Um, <clears throat> It is called Wrapped Around Your Finger. I figured this would be in your list. I remember when, in college, you wanted to sample this one for a song. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know how to sample it. So I was like, I don't know how we're going to do it. <laughs> I didn't know how to use Fruity Loops or Ableton or anything like that yet. Well, I kind of still don't. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, thought, I always thought it would make a good sample for... For rap song, I'm sure it, it, in the right hands it could. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. I've not looked into it since then, but I just remember that's one of my earliest memories of this song. Aside from I think maybe pop up music, um, but this this is a really good song, uh, especially another, the story behind it. Yeah, another example of Sting be reading. Yeah, um, Scylla and Charybdis, which is I think he said in the first or second line. Uh, monsters of Greek mythology and mm-hmm. also including the legend of Faust and uh, it is about uh, also about he says the song is vaguely alchemical and probably about a friend of mine a professional psychic and my tutor in tarot with bits of Dr. Faustus and the sorcerer's <laughs> apprentice thrown in the pot for good measure um, so he, he's combining he's combining yeah. uh, different part different uh, literary references um, I just I, I, I the thing that that kind of sticks out to me is seeing this on pop up video, directed by Godly and Cream, who had directed Every Breath You Take and Synchronicity Two. <laughs> I felt like at this point, because this was the fourth single, we know this is the end. Yeah, and. I'm not sure if they were even on screen together at all during the video. All I remember is Sting reading. <laughs> oh, no, Sting. No, the girl reading. And Sting kind of jumping around, if I remember correctly. I was yeah. like Andy jumping around. There, everyone was. Yeah. It was It was a very well, weird Well, Andy and video. Sting were jumping around, and Stewart just played the drums. And then at the end of the video, because of all those candles, Sting just starts running and knocking, all, knocking yeah. them all over. Such a weird video, man. And I just felt like that he was they, they were they were sick of each other at that point. <laughs> I just this song is just so perfectly arranged. Just like the bass and the drums are like just kind of sitting in this groove. And then you've got everything that just kind of comes around it, like the guitar player. Uh, not the guitar, we know the guitar, but the guitar. Like it's just a great arrangement. It's just in my opinion, one of their best arrangements in terms of just playing off of each other and just sitting in a groove, man. It's just so good. So good. Um, yeah, I, this was, um, 
Oh, so about the video, <laughs> Sting liked the video. Uh, Andy did not. Uh, he said, I never liked much the idea for Wrapped Around Your Finger. No, I was kind of pissed off about that one. I've never been much of a fan of that song, actually. Sting got to shoot his part last in that video <laughs> and made a meal of knocking all the candles out. Fuck him. <laughs> 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 they were sick of each other, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I love right here where it kind of just picks up and goes from being the halftime reggae feel to being a little bit of double time. I just, just, just great all around, man. Just great all around. All right. So that was my number four. What's your number three, Ben? Um, from the same album, Synchronicity 2. Um, I feel like that's why we talked about this one, because we just really like this album. But um, I know around the time we talked about this, I was obsessed with yeah. this song. I think this was your earworm. It was an once. earworm, too. I was obsessed <laughs> with this song. Um, I enjoyed playing. I was learning how to play drums, so like I was... Just constantly playing drums to this song because it's it's not too hard, which he can't normally say about a Stuart Copeland beat. It's very kind of straight ahead um, and not a lot of things to have to really learn. But I just love this song. I love like what the guitar and the bass do when they kind of play off of each other. Um, the way it kind of quiets a little down a little bit right after the verses going into the chorus. It's just it's just a really fun song. I just love it. Doom, doom, doom. Uh, the music video directed by Golly and Cream. Uh, and it looks like this song is about the Loch Ness Monster. Mm. I need to look <laughs> at his lyrics more, man, because I'd never be noticing. I'd just be listening to what, what Andy and Sting do when they play off of each other. <laughs> he could be singing about, like, anything. <laughs> That's kind of scary. The Loch Ness Monster. Okay. And uh, it references Carl Jung's theory of synchronicity. Uh, tells the story of a father whose home, work life, and environment are dispiriting and depressing. Uh, one of the lyrics is grandmother screaming at the wall, as well as mother chants her litany of boredom and frustration. But we all know her suicides are fake. Such dark lyrics, man. <laughs> Later, we hear about humiliation by his boss, and every single meeting with his so called superior is a humiliating kick in the crotch. Hmm. I guess I should have picked up on that when he said at the bottom of a lock. I should have picked up on that, Ben. Come on, dude. What are you doing, Ben? <laughs> um, well, he references a lock in this monster, but it's about a man who's on the edge of paranoia. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I probably might, I'm probably going to hop on Genius this weekend and just like really read through some of his lyrics because I knew they were dark, but I guess I just never realized how dark. Like, for me, I think a lot of the times, like, the, the songs I did pay attention to, I just love the imagery, which I'll talk about in a couple of songs. I just, I love a lot of his imagery. I will say that much. Because he was, a, didn't, he was an English scholar, wasn't he, or something like that at some point? Sting? Sting? He was a school teacher. Yeah, just, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. All right, that was your number three, right? Yeah. All right, my number three, and... It is another song from Regatta de Blanc. <laughs> and that is Walking on the Moon. I always wondered if the band Walking on the Moon named themselves after this song. 
I think they're just called Walk the Moon. Oh, never mind. Yeah, they are. Never mind. Let's see. Did they name themselves after? Um, I don't know. Let's see. I'll look it up. Well, they have cited the police as an influence. Yeah, I I really oh, yeah. hear it. It says deriving the band's name okay. from the song "Walking the Moon." I go. definitely hear it in their their guitar player. <laughs> if you listen to stuff outside of what was that their big song "Dance uh, with Me," "Dance with Me." Yeah, if you listen to other stuff, you definitely hear Andy Summers all over, all over his guitar playing. Uh, this song was written after a drunk night in Munich, in which he started singing "Walking Around the Room." Instead of walking, you know, it was walking around the room, um, and so uh, it. Uh, and then also inspired by his first girlfriend, walking back from Deborah's house in those early days would eventually become a song for being in love is to be relieved of gravity. Mm. Um, this is definitely well. You hear the reggae influence. Yeah. Um, these I sometimes it's confusing to me what is considered new wave but I think like <laughs> whenever you talk about new wave you gotta start with the police yeah well I mean it's it can kind of be one of those overused terms you know yeah like, like it, just because it's 80s doesn't mean yeah. it's new wave necessarily like they'll throw they'll just throw a lot of like crowded house like I haven't heard a lot by them but crowded I don't house ain't I've heard people call them new wave though. They're they're pop. They might be called like the the dream pop or jangle pop or something like that. There's so many subs on. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I agree. But like, with new wave, wave you look at the police, <laughs> and I mean, you could say it's a combination of rock with synthesizers. Mm-hmm. You know, because that that's what you know how that sound was becoming popular at the time. Um, but this is one of those. This is a new wave song. It has you hear the reggae influences, yeah. but this is a new wave song. This is what you would hear, and so this is what you should be listening to when, if you know, if you're looking for something called new wave. So um, much space too in this song, man. Like, yeah, like no one just—they don't overplay, man. Like they I just feel like, and it kind of seems like Stewart maybe overplays a little bit. But he's, but because of the tempo, he's like, I gotta add something. Yeah, to this. well, because he's got that space to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, he's you know he he loves to you know work that left foot on the hi hat pedal. He loves to do that big time. Um, but like the video I was watching, he like, was talking a, about there's a part here. Jeez, man. <laughs> <laughs> some 16th notes or 32nd notes on the high hat <laughs> he says these are the hardest to play though he's like they sound simple but it's timing and groove yeah you know on them is is what's hard to and anyone who wants to follow it's funny like he's on tiktok he answers questions but like he doesn't like you know how you can respond with a video he sits there and it's like somebody hands him a piece of paper from off camera <laughs> and he's like so this is from at Greg Hurd at and reads off the screen name 
when are you going to be recording this, blah, 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 blah? Well, that's a good question. It's just, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's like, why are you getting handed paper? And he'll even like show a screenshot of the paper with your screen name and your question on the screen. <laughs> like he just superimposes it. It has to be a gag. Someone had to tell him like, oh, this will be funny. But yeah. And then he just has like a ton of drums behind him and it's awesome. And a piano because he he wrote, but he wasn't allowed to write for the police much because Sting, you know, Sting was reading, though. Yeah. (laughs) Just kind of like how Dave Grohl was like, they're like, why didn't you write more songs in Nirvana? He's like, because I had one of the greatest songwriters of all time (laughs) writing for me. (laughs) It's kind of hard to get my songs in. It's funny. Yeah. All right. So uh, that was my number three. Number two. Um, we covered it wrapped around your finger. I, that's why I was gushing over it because I just, I love everything about the song, the arrangements, just everything they did. Beautiful instrumentation. We don't have to play it again, but I just, I really, really, really love that song. Especially when he says, um, the teacher becomes the, the student becomes a teacher. Yeah. I think that's what he says. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. All right. So we'll, uh, go to my number two. Um, this was off of a jam session from one of your, I want song on your list. Can't stand losing you. And I guess I really like this album cause it's the fourth song from Regatta de Blanc <laughs> and it is the title track Regatta de Blanc. Uh, this is a. This was, like I said, an improvisational jam session uh, when they play Can't Stand Losing You. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Stuart, man. That, that's, that's, that's one of the main things I like about this song. It's just Stuart's playing like. As crazy as he can. <laughs> yeah. Like this is, this is ridiculous. Um. So I'm just trying to think. And Stuart, like, I mean, the... it's Sting kind of, he just vocalizes in the background, but it's really about the, the instrumentation. I don't think I've ever paid attention to this one. Uh, this won a Grammy for Best Rock Instrumental Performance. Nice. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever listened to this one before. It says vocals, but it's an instrumental. I guess a cha. Yeah. He, there, there are no like lyrics. Yeah. He's just vocalizing, really. It's that millennial whoop <laughs> coming through. Uh, so they, they, this became a track um, on the album. Um, like I said, based off of "Can't Stand Losing You," when they they would they were playing like they were playing basically this section live mm-hmm. before they started uh, before they recorded it. Okay, I can hear that going how it kind of kind of go into it. And um, this is where I think Andy and Stewart really got to shine on this track. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you hear Sting, you hear the bass, but he's not doing a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, compared to them, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also don't think that. I mean, and maybe it's just the circles I run in. I don't see Andy Summers 
typically get a lot of credit as a guitar player. I think he's I think a lot really of people good. think that his stuff is too. It's not. It doesn't seem creative or imaginative enough, or he's not doing the finger tapping. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd love him as a guitar player because he just he just I don't know. He serves the song. There's there's something to be said about that, you know. But I, res- I respect. I think the on this him. and maybe an, also another song where uh, Stewart's playing like like six different rhythms at one time. It's. <laughs> It's, it's just ridiculous, but I, I really like this track because you really get to see, like, you get to hear how good Andy and Stewart are. Mm-hmm. So that was my number two, and now we come to number one, and guess what? Yeah, the same we got one. the same one. So was your first time hearing this Alanis Morissette? No. That was my first time hearing it, Alanis Morissette, and um, thought it was beautiful. Um, I think i knew it was a cover um because people got happy you know when she was like they're like Whoa! and i was like i knew it last more sad time i had never heard it but this is a song where i love the imagery i have no clue what it's about but there's a little black spot on the sun today that's a hell of an opening line <laughs> that is a hell of an opening line um and then when we were in so i think we were living in river place at this point and i was playing with uh with if by chance and this the band Branson emo band that Ashley got me into did a cover of this song for Policia the Police Tribute album, and I became obsessed with it. And that's when I was like, we got to play this song, um, and just really started listening to their version more, um, the Police version more. Once I kind of realized, you know, what it was because we, we we based it kind of off of a mix of the two, but I love just the imagery of this song. Like, like I feel like every every line kind of could be a scene <laughs> so yeah i just love it and then this beautiful chorus uh this song was inspired by his separation from his first wife and a black spot on the sun struck me as being a very painful image i felt that my soul was up there on the sun mm. i could see that Yeah, this was a fun song to sing. I don't even mind that the solo is a retread of the um, of the vocal line. I actually like that it does that. Like it, it it goes really well. Just going, you know, right from that chorus into that bridge, very nice bridge. Bust out a solo. I think the only thing I don't like is like the part right after the solo, where it just mm. kind of you know it kind of loses a little bit of energy after you built it up. But I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, this, yeah. I think also because I was kind of a simp at the time, too. So I was like, I'm the king of pain. So emo. <laughs> so emo. <laughs> um, this was the fifth and final single. Well, the fourth single. from the, This was the final single from Synchronicity. So this is the last new thing they put out, y'all. Well, they did have the... Uh, the remix to I think it was a remix to "Don't Stand So Close to Me." Mm-hmm. It was it was like remixes "Don't Stand So Close to Me" '86, mm-hmm. and people thought they were going to get back together. <laughs> you thought, but I think like I think it was something in the contract or or, or something like that with a new record a new record late deal or label or something. 
to where it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, the uh, for me, yeah, it, I I related to to the lyrics um, to where it's like whatever you blind man looking for looking a blind man, yeah. That's a, that's probably one of the best There's ones I've ever heard. There's a rich man sleeping on a golden bed. I was like, <laughs> is the bed made of gold? That is an uncomfortable bed. I, like that line, <laughs> I think that line probably threw me on the floor the first time I heard it. A blind man looking for a shadow of doubt. That is such a heavy line. <laughs> like he had to know when he wrote that. Like it is a pretty heavy line. Sorry to cut you off when you said that. Just that line yeah. is just. Yeah. Oh, I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a skeleton choking on a crust of bread. Yes. <laughs> they finally get to eat. Now they're choking. It's beautiful, man. Just beautiful. Hauntingly beautiful. There's, you know, yeah. Red Fox torn by Huntman's Pad. Huntsman's Pad. I can't talk. Just let Sting uh, talk. <laughs> Stewart also plays the marimba on this track. Sting plays the piano and the synthesizers. Um, and this song actually went to number three on the Hot 100. I think people just played it because they knew it was the end. <laughs> Uh, and as you said, Alanis Morissette covered this song for her Unplugged album and it was released as a single. Yeah. It got played on the radio a lot, I remember. They played the video as well because, you know, MTV gonna play it to death if it's theirs. But I remember, I want to think they played this on Star 94 back in the day. Hmm. Because Star 94 was, you know, kind of a cult, adult contemporary. Um, so, you know. Because they played the not heavy, like they didn't play You Ought to Know. But they would play like you know, you live, you learn, you know, stuff like that. By Hand her. in my pocket. Yeah, they played the, the safer stuff. <laughs> Nothing about you know, movie theater shenanigans. None of that stuff. <laughs> All right. So that will complete our because five. Um, we got that got through that faster than I, I than I realized. But yeah. Um, we can anyway. always play King of Pain again. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I know we 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 left some songs out, y'all, uh, that y'all probably like more. Mm-hmm. You know, Spirits in the Material World, uh, Invisible Sun. Uh, <laughs> Someone's like, "Where's D do do D do 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 da da da?" That yeah. that's. That's not a bad song. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of, I don't know. So Lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Bed's Too Big Without You. Yeah. Um, of course we didn't put Every Breath You Take. That's too easy. I, I, it's not, I mean, it's I mean it's their most popular song, but. I, I didn't think you would, but man, I was like, I don't know how reactive it's like. And number one is. It, it definitely wasn't number one. I might me. have to put down my headphones and just be like. It would be, <laughs> if we did, went to 10, it would be 10. Yeah, it's not, a, it's, I'm not saying it's a bad song. It's just one of those songs where I've heard it so much and the and the P. Diddy sample. Like, I'm kind of over it, you know? Yeah. Like, it has its place. It's a, it's a well-written song. For the love of God, stop playing it at weddings. Please. <laughs> like, that's not. The song is about. Obsession. The yeah. song's about being a stalker. Like for the love of God. Like I know Sting's not gonna. Like stop I, I just imagine like him singing it. and He's got binoculars looking yeah. at somebody. Well, I mean, it's a it's a creepy video. He's standing there playing a stand up bass in black and white. The bottom of him's kind of cut off, and it's just like he's just watching you. Like 
It's creepy, man. It's creepy. <laughs> and he said he wrote the song in about 15 minutes. He was watching somebody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else did we leave out? Born in the 50s. Man, that is a dated song right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> we left out. Uh, um, uh, I walk in your footsteps. That might have made my top ten. I like that one from Synchronicity. Well, I, uh, well, I, I always know. Like we always play something at the beginning that's not on our list. When you play yeah. "Don't Stand So Close to Me," I was like, okay, cool. So neither one of us had that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Truth hits everybody. I know that's a, that's a popular one, but you know there's, and then the other stuff. I was like, oh wait, no, that's a Sting solo track. So so that's where <laughs> it kind of got yeah, because he's yeah, yeah. I thought about putting Demolition Man on there just because I really like the movie, but yeah, because mm. they named the movie after like this. I think they named the movie after the song, and they had him do a version of it for the movie. He probably didn't want to until he saw that check. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that'll do it for our Because Five uh, songs by the police. And play. we'll get to my uh, Earworm of the Week. Um, this was, uh, as far as American Idol, and it coming from the UK's Pop Idol. Mm-hmm. This is one of the, this is the uh, original winner of Pop Idol. Okay, which predated um, American Idol here in America. Yes. Okay. So the inaugural winner of Pop Idol, Will Young. And uh, so he is the, is he the Kelly Clarkson of the UK? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Either way you put it, he is... um, uh, he's he's kind of had a trajectory like Kelly Clarkson where he has success um, in music. And while she's moved on to talk shows, he has moved over to uh, the stage. Okay. <laughs> um, so he is uh, acting on um, in London. I guess it's the West End, which is, I guess, Broadway for the U.K., uh, his name is Will Young, and this is from his um, his second album, which is called Friday's Child. And this is the title track, Friday's Child. Uh, and I liked the uh, I thought it I thought the song was produced by Trevor Horn or it or maybe the songwriters were inspired by Seal. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of got that feel from it. Um, and the, 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 the album version is nine minutes long. Holy. I crap. could not find the single version on Spotify at all, but there is a single radio. edit. <laughs> uh, the video is like three and a half minutes. So, but I think people got caught up in the, in the melody of it. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to play it. This is Will Young Friday's child from his album Friday's child. And we'll be right back.
Friday's Child by Will Young. Uh, that part, like that little interlude after the chorus, mm-hmm. after they do the chorus the second time, after the second verse, they play that part for like four minutes. For what? Just, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why this song is nine minutes long. I hear what you mean, though, with the... I, I definitely hear some of that, some that seal influence. Um, almost like a mix between his debut album and maybe... Something that came from um, was the album Kiss from a Rose or was it? Um, I think it was just called Seal. Seal, yeah, with Don't Cry on it, and yeah. that was a good record. Those were the, both of those records were good. The one with it was like Seal one and two, right, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were. Those are good records. I know people only know mostly know him for Kiss from a Rose, but I would highly encourage people to really check out his discography. Like it's pretty good, but yeah. you know, don't take my word for it. You know, check it out. Um. So uh, that will bring us to the end of this episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for a closer, I would I would probably say Spirits in the Material World because that probably was right outside of my, yeah. All right. That's a good one. I'm Unless not. you had one. I don't know if you had one in particular you just wanted to hear. Um. <clears throat> I think he put a version of I think he put a version of that on his page or something or it might have even been he was playing it with an orchestra I don't know but I heard it when I was browsing his page or how about uh, uh, someone who did a cover of any of their songs that you like (laughs) um so my the one I my go-to is always raw with their cover every, every little thing she does is magic um if you want a good laugh Fall Out Boy's version of Roxanne, if it's still on Spotify, is interesting. Um, because I think that when I, when I listen to that song, when I listen to him do that, I was like, oh, wow. Here's some here's some early punk inspiration when they go to the Roxanne. Like the way they do that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally the police. I don't know if the police invented it, but like it's very evident there. The whole like we're going slow. Now we're going double time. We're going faster. You know what? Thing in punk. It's it is on Spotify. This but it was on the Policia. Yeah, Policia. Uh, the it tribute. Was, this was taken down at some point. Wasn't yeah, it? it was. It was down for a long time. Well, it's back. <laughs> it's interesting because it's just I don't know how they recorded it, but like it's not as well produced as their normal stuff. So you kind of hear their limitations as a band. Whereas when they're doing their own stuff and they have their own producers, I think like. Um, they're able to like Neil Avron who did a lot of stuff for them. They're able to cover their shortcomings up. None of those shortcomings are covered up here. Like it sounds yeah. like them live, which is sorry. Fall I Out felt Boy like fans, this was one take. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> someone, someone like just started recording it. It's like when they're like, it's their, it's the rehearsal take. And then every and then it sounded progressively worse. <laughs> like, like they were recording that first one. It's like, dude, you need new strings, man. Those things are going out of tune. Like, <laughs> it's what you get, bro. That's all you getting. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, we're going to end the show with Fallout Boys cover <laughs> of Roxanne. <laughs> and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. 
Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Peace.